So, uh, Clay, how do you normally start your podcast? Like, you oh got man, a big... this is a cold open. Yeah, you're pulling the cold Dead open. Cold. Off. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay. When you turn to your guests and just ask them a random question they weren't ready for. Do you know how we start our podcast? No. Just Jason, can you hit the record button? Sure, buddy. <laughs> click. <laughs> and it, that's how it goes. Y'all put in like a mechanical click, like aftermarket. Now sound. we should. Here, I, got, I got this. Yeah. 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 That was good. Like it. That's like it. it. Was good. With a W logo. <laughs> that was, like that was good. Um, Very good. No, uh, we don't know what we're doing on this new podcast. And That's so why you're you here. You gotta quit saying that. Is that is what you it, gotta say? Well, no, no. You can't. You can't say you don't know how to do it because you do. Fake it till you make it. Yeah. Well, that's what we're doing. But we. We were hoping you were going to educate, and we are. I've already learned. Okay, well, don't tell them that you're faking it till you're making it. <laughs> That's what you tell your oh, wife yeah. and you right. know, your friends that you're close to. Oh, I, well, we were joking about it. It was with Mike Thorman, and we were talking about what you. What a great guy. Super great, right? You didn't listen to that yet, have you? I haven't yet. Oh, you should have before the trip. We talked all about you. We we threw you under the bus. Big oh, time. really? We did. <laughs> oh, I, I forgot about that. I totally. I'm Mike Thorman's biggest fan. How'd you forget? Oh, I, we talked about Clay for like I forget 10 a minutes. lot. I know. I I that's the one podcast I haven't had a chance to listen to. Like I I've listened to it for the edit, right? But do you listen to your podcast before the edit? Nah. Do you listen that's to them afterwards? Colby works his magic. <laughs> I mean, I mean, sometimes we'll do, we'll listen to one if you, there's questionable guests. Do you ever? call on the way like <laughs> i was coming from montana I, I had to go pick up a truck so i'm coming from montana and i don't know what mountain range that was in idaho but there was not good service i had enough service to get to jason to be like jason the podcast is screwed up and then i went out of service <laughs> for like 45 like, minutes crap <laughs> and uh do you ever have those moments where you call oh, yeah. Colby? <laughs> oh, do i call me i woke up the other day to like <laughs> We missed a whole section. There's a question missing. And it's like, my bad. I, I didn't have signal for a moment and it skipped it. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I listened to this important podcast we did. And in my truck, there was like a big section of the podcast missing. Yeah. Like it just went from this to that. And we had just released the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> we cut out. A part of the and I texted Colby and I said, <laughs> "We cut out part of the pot." And by saying "we," I was saying, "You yeah. cut out part of the podcast." <laughs> and then, as I was jumping down his throat in my mind, I no, I wasn't. No. I wasn't upset, Colby, because I was standing <laughs> over your shoulder while you were making the edits. On the yeah. So it would have been my fault too. And then I went back. I better listen to that again. And I listened to it again, and it was there. It was just in my truck. <laughs> just it skipped. just like I don't know what happened. Really? So so you. See, that don't happen with us. It's actually missing. <laughs> yeah, it's, really missing. it's like, what was it, Jason? It was uh, No, it was double. I think it was for the uh, Clay Henderson podcast. Part two. Well, there was, was, that was the last one. That was the last one. We made that. We got that changed before we pushed it. Before it went it, out. It was supposed to go the next. It was supposed to go the next uh, that's morning. That's right. It was the and next So morning. we had to call Shannon in after hours. After she, hours. So she's, she's a working, rock star. She takes her home stuff. <laughs> No, there was one that I was coming back. I was driving, and uh, we had to pull the file. Maybe it was something stupid because it didn't have music or something. I don't know, but I was kind of like we had to actually like we had delete the file. The people are already over. downloaded. Yeah, that's a bummer when that happens. 
you say that like it happens to you, but I don't think it really happens to mm, you. <laughs> one time, one time before Colby was there. Yeah, before, uh, long before you were there. You're safe. On there that was one. a there was a podcast that I uploaded that uh, something slipped through that wasn't supposed to be there. I mean, you know, sometimes you're having a conversation with somebody, and I always try to give them the option because you know you're in a long form conversation with somebody and mm-hmm. sometimes they might like give away a hunting spot you know you're in this comfortable like personable space right. and sometimes you might go well we were over on rattlesnake mountain down on the south side down by the creek by mm-hmm. the swimming hole and there was a 10 point buck <laughs> and then afterwards you're like doggone i shouldn't have said that you know what my friend tim cook always said he goes, oh, we're hunting up on Nover, your mine mountain and no name river. <laughs> None your business creek. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So, no, that's, that's uh, honestly, we, I, I've kind of learned. Jason, it's been kind of fun hanging out with Clay. There's two things I've already, you know, I've always kind of respected the guy a little more kinda, lately than, 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 than before. But what did I do to you before? You didn't do, you just were too green and I was too green. <laughs> and uh, you were. You were faking it till you made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, like, you were faking right. it, I was faking it, and just two fakers couldn't be together. Okay. <laughs> um, is, is I'm kind of interested in, he's, I mean, the guy makes you want to think about bears a little more yes. than, like, I didn't think about it's bears. It's mystical. When Clay talks about bears and bear hunting, it's like this different realm uh, in the wild places, right? I mean, it's live, just man. like romanticized. Yeah. I don't know how else to explain it. It's you just very novels to get your like, because you're like a romantic that's, about. <laughs> that's what Mike, when we were with Mike Thorman, when I said he's a renaissance man. Like, we need a issued thesaurus. We need to brush up <laughs> on our freaking grammar. We need to be like ready because Clay Newcomb. Is like this oh, wordsmith. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, I appreciate. I appreciate it. That's all. I <laughs> well, I appreciate it. So let's let's cut into your dogs a little bit, so we don't keep just patting you on the back because yeah, this is you're getting much. uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I can see his head's swelling right now. People, <laughs> string. Let's knock him down. Just <laughs> if I still had a big beard, my beard would be like like. Like bristling. I was kind of sad when I saw it come off. <laughs> yeah. I, I was my like, beard was as big as yours. I know. And then I saw you cut it, and I'm like, dang it, that would have been a great photo op. You did Two beards. Yeah. You know, what? he'll be in the office. He'll go, and then he'll come back, and he'll be gone, not say anything. I look over. What? Happened? What did you do to your face? <laughs> uh, <laughs> my wife won't let me shave clean though. She's she's anti. I, I one time I said I'm gonna shave my whole beard and I'm gonna leave my mustache. And she's like, "Oh my, you look like a dirty cop." You would look like a dirty cop. That is a great description. <laughs> I, uh, I told her, I said, "For Halloween, that's what I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be a dirty cop." And she's like, "She's not. Hey, she didn't find the humor." Was, there was a time when I a couple of years ago where I had a big mustache and that's all, just for for about a couple of months. People treat you different. <laughs> Dude, it's instant respect, right? What? That no. takes dedication. People people treat you different. I have multiple stories I cannot tell on this podcast. You can tell them on our my, podcast. My my wife calls it being stashed. stashed. She said you were stashed. It's basically when someone meets you and they judge you totally based on your facial hair because everything else about me was the same. Half and the they time. treat you in a certain way because they perceive your 
status on the planet. Yep. And that's called Different. stash. Well, if you have a stash and it's because of the stash, you've been stashed. I don't. Okay. Uh, this is where Jason was talking about the source, and you're already. Is that the term? Like you've been stashed. It's a term me and my wife made up. Okay, stashed. Like you've been like robbed. You've been like wow. You know, like stashed. I bet you I have that a lot. It, it, oh, I've got two good stories. I really don't want to tell them. They're embarrassing. But I want to tell them. That's the best part. So, what's your story about getting stashed? That's no, okay. I'll, t- I'll tell you one story. So, I was at the. I was at our local grocery store. And I was wearing a camo jacket and I had the big stash and just, I mean, I just, I just looked like a was, redneck. Was it, was it your, was it your, your, your hippie camo or not no, hippie, but your fancy camo? It was fancy camo, but this person <laughs> wouldn't have perceived camo. fancy camo. I'm sorry. First, I'm wearing first light jeans. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> so I walk into the store and I'm probably wearing dirty cowboy boots and dirty pants and this camo jacket and have this big mustache. And I I'm checking out of the grocery store and there's a sweet lady behind the counter, probably in her mid fifties. You could tell she'd had a rough life. Okay. You could just tell this woman has, she's probably a good woman. She's had a rough life. And, uh, she, she was just trying to make small talk and she, she was about 50, you know, a little bit older than me. And she said, uh, she said, so you got big plans. She was just making small talk. And I said, yeah, we're, uh, we're getting, they're having a little get together, going to have a little party. And she was like, <laughs> <laughs> she was like, man, I'm not even going to say what she said because she cussed and I don't want to cuss on your podcast. You can cuss on our podcast. Well, no, no, I don't, I don't, wanna, I don't cuss, cuss in normal. You don't cuss in normal. And she just, looked at I'm me just... and she was like, I'm going to substitute a word, but she was like, heck yeah. <laughs> and she was like. It was like all she she perceived that I was this lifestyle like going or to this. like some wild party, and she identified, and she was like, yep. "Heck yeah!" And it was like we just had this thing, and I was like, "It's an eye, yeah." And I was like, "It's just like a family party. Like my kids will be there." I, all of a sudden, <laughs> the like tail start on the donkey. I start like, like backpedaling, <laughs> you know, like, and so I. I'd been stashed. Did you go home and just cut your mustache off? Yeah, right then? I was like, she perceived me as like, you know, like. So do you ever, when, when you have longer facial hair, because you go through cycles, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. assuming. And when I have a full facial hair, I just get respect from everybody. Like instantly, <laughs> right? It's just like eye contact with somebody walking down the street. Danny will do this to me all the time. She'll look at me and be like, really? I'm like what? Like you just waved to that guy because he waved at you. Yeah. Why? I'm like, I don't know, because he likes the beard. Like, people stop you and say, dude, nice beard. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I, I felt, no, nah, I'm not even going to say this. No, you have to now. No, it was, I was wearing a Trump shirt. I was like, in the, in the, you know, you don't see a lot. I mean, there's a lot of Trump supporters, but she's like in, in the store at Winco. You don't really and, live in Trump town. Yeah, we, we, North County's good. And you just see a guy and he's like, you're just kind of like. Like your shirt, you know, <laughs> can't wear that in Portland, but just hey. the tip of the hat. So one of the, so we need to get to dogs, but Clay, Dog. one of my favorite stories, and uh, and, and we, I talked about your fancy camo, and I apologize, I, 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 first light, I apologize for calling it hippie camo. It's fancy, man. It's fancy, but I didn't mean to use hippie, so. He was thinking of me. I was thinking of hippie. Jason whenever, when I was talking. I was <laughs> looking at Jason, that. and Jason has some hippie tendencies. At times. He's like a, a hippie cowboy. I can't be like 
grouped. Like, yeah. You can't class you can't me. Put me in a box. But, uh, <laughs> no, that, what was I wearing this morning when we showed up to go bear Flip hunting? Flops. Flip flops. I judged you for it. Ask Brandon. <laughs> He'll tell you. I'll show up there at half the time on the mountain. I don't know. I, I have forgotten my boots more than once. <laughs> yeah. So your your fancy camo story, and if you haven't heard it, what what was it? A back hunter, an angler podcast yeah. that you guys put that yeah, on the missouri your stories mm-hmm. hunters and angler oh yeah yeah yeah. when you walked into um, to the store i locked my horse oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. My mule. yeah 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 when i walked into that bar yeah yeah you walk and i i was busting a gut really you mountain. like that man because <laughs> i was one of those guys that was like you know and I, and I was never really like a totally real tree guy you know what i mean like in the South, I can imagine like real tree really took hold. And, and out here I was more like, I, like it's like a logger kind of style. Like, you know, I'd, I'd wear, you know, logger jeans, Carhartts and, yeah. and just throw whatever. And I never gotten into the technical gear, um, until recently. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, I can't believe I have game a, changer. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So now I, I, I wear some of that camo, but I, I don't wear it for the camo part. Like I wish right. I like the, the solid color stuff if I can get it. But, um, your story about walking and you're like in, in this fancy camo this is like real tree country and yeah so if you haven't heard that story uh you've got to go back and listen to to your your podcast and i don't know you, what episode was you don't it? have it's to way listen back. to it it's, way it's on youtube too i think yeah yeah, yeah i told that story live mm-hmm. yeah the short version is is i lost my mule way in the back country the closest. Have you heard this, Jason? I don't think I've heard this oh, one. Man. No, I don't. I, I mean, I don't have to tell the whole thing, but the closest civilization was a was a county line bar, and it was a Saturday night. I had my ten year old son with me, and we walked all the way off the mountain without the mule, carrying our saddle, all our gear. You in got the back to where you tied the mule up, right? Yeah, and the and the mule wasn't there, and so there was a. I was afraid the mule was going to go back to the truck which was parked on a highway. And so I envisioned the mule being on the highway at night and people, you know, and and I kind (laughs) of embellished the story, like saying the sheriff was going to show up and run my plates and see my mule and call my wife and say, your husband's dead. We found this mule, you know? And so I, anyway, we go down the truck, I go to the bar and I got my 10 year old son. I can't take him in the bar with me. And this is like a rough bar, just a hole in the wall. And, and so I tell my son, son, if I'm not back in 10 minutes, drive this truck until you run out of fuel. And when the cops pick you up, tell them your father and his mule are dead. It was a storyteller bit, so yeah. I kind of embellished a little bit. The, the, the story mother. was true. <laughs> anyway, I walk into the bar. And all this is true. I, was, I, was, I didn't really tell my son that. I, that was a joke. But I did tell him, duck your head, sit in that seat, and don't answer the door for anybody just sit here and uh and i walk into the bar and it's real loud and and there's a bunch of people there and i'm wearing full first light gear and i walk up to the bar and it's kind of weird to see a guy walk in at full camo you know i just look out of place and i holler at the bartender and i just go my name's clay newcomb and i lost my mule (laughs) and I just wondered if I could leave my phone number here in case somebody sees it on the highway and stops and tells you. I'm yelling. And he goes, what? And he can't hear me. And so 
when he says what, everybody at the bar like turns and leans and looks like down at me. Like an old Western me. movie. Just, oh, it was just like that. It was just like, I mean, everybody was like, what is he trying to the tell piano the piano stopped playing. Yeah, yeah, the piano stopped playing. And then, so I yell even louder. I just said, my name's Clay Newcomb, and I lost my mule on the mountain. <laughs> and I need to leave my phone number here with you. And then, you know, the, then the bar chimes in. Has, has the mule ever been up there before? And I was like, no. And they're like, ha, 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 you'll never find that mule. I mean, they just all start giving me this advice. And then at the end of the bar, and it happened just like this. At the end of the bar, a man stands up, and he, he stands up, and he is drunk. And he's wobbly. And he goes, what's your name? <laughs> and it's yelling all the way across all the people. So they have their heads turned to him. And then he turns to me. <laughs> and, and I go, my name's Clay Newcomb. And he goes, is your mother named Judy Newcomb? <laughs> and I was just in shock. I'm assuming. Shock. The answer is. That this man knew my mother's name. Okay. I mean, I was like, that was the last thing I expected this guy to say. And, uh, and so I kind of embellished the story a little bit more about like, you know, like, what is this guy? Why do you know my mother? <laughs> like, like, I'm calling mom when I get home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and finally, you know, I, I just talk about all the things that are going on in my head. You know, my life stood before me like a house of cards. You know, is this man my father? And I don't know. <laughs> and, yeah. and because my mother is like the most, the sweetest. She's a saint. Most God-fearing. Yeah, for real. <laughs> and so it's like, why do you know my mama? <laughs> and then anyway, he goes, Judy Newcomb was my teacher. <laughs> and anyway, he just loved my mom. So we proceed to have this conversation about my mom in this bar yelling at each other and then anyway i go home and i tell my mom i was like they know your name down at the bar <laughs> oh yeah. that's a good one yeah you got a couple others fancy camo you got a couple others if you go back and watch his his uh yeah your your podcast thing whatever you call it there it was one of the episodes, Storytelling Podcast. Yeah. So you haven't heard that back one, Jason? Country. I haven't heard that one. No, yeah. I'm going to go back yeah. and listen to it. Though. Country He's a good storyteller. Just, just Clay just like, I'm Clay Newton. Yeah. Like, to this day. you got to take a breath. When, you, when you're when you yelling that at a bar, I've yeah. yelled in a bar I didn't before. know if I was about to get in a fist fight. Right. Or if I was about to defend my mother's honor or what. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, yeah. No, that, that was a... Uh, so we talk about the camo. Every time I think about camo, I think about you. It's <laughs> a camo. Bar, and you're like, uh, I know the feeling. And I feel out of place right here, man. I'm the only one with like not first light on. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, it's not first, you're last. I should probably fix that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's hear a little bit about your dogs. Like what got you started? So so I was yeah. surprised because um, I didn't realize you had dogs young, but you had, so tell us our, your story. Yeah, so young. my first, the first sporting dogs that I ever had were bird dogs. Okay. I got a, I got a, a fully trained setter bird dog, uh, registered English setter from my grandfather when I was in the sixth grade. We had a couple of cubbies to quail behind the house. And my grandfather was a renowned, a regionally renowned bird dog trainer. Uh, he, he died when he was 94 in, uh, 2014 and he was a bird dog man up until he couldn't hardly walk, you know? And so that's where kind of my love of hunting dogs came from. But we lost all our quail in Arkansas. So it just kind of became like, 
not a wise investment of your life to own quail dogs that, you know, you didn't no really pain. have anywhere to hunt. And so when I was 14, uh, my best friend's father got us into coon dogs. And I started coon hunting with, uh, with these guys. I was introduced to coon hunting and, uh, and loved it. And I, I said this, I, I have since discovered this, but coon hunting really was my first love inside of hunting. Because my dad, and the reason being, it wasn't the first hunting that I did. The first hunting I did would have been bow hunting and quail hunting and stuff, for bow hunting for white-tailed deer. But the coon hunting thing was the first thing that I did on my own. It was the first, it, because I broke off from my dad or my grandfather and got these coon dogs. And even though, you know, like my other buddy's dad was helping us and stuff, but I mean, they were my dogs. Right. And so from the time I was 14 till the time I was 20, for about six years, I mean, we hunted. I mean, we didn't know what we were doing. We weren't good houndsmen, uh, but we had dogs and we hunted a lot. And uh, I loved it. I, I was I mean, the, the, the imprint that having your own hound has on you when you're young and you start catching a little bit of game, like we talked about it earlier, it's, a, it's an unusual primal satisfaction that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even make sense right. why that we love dogs as much as we do, especially when we're partnering with them to catch game. I mean, it's a, it's like a instinctual urge, like a desire to walk over to a fire. I mean, it's like very, very, just this primitive, essential human thing. I mean, we, the, the reason the human species has been successful is because of our ability to domesticate and hunt with dogs. I mean, it goes back to that, to a 14-year-old kid in the mid-1990s getting a dog and turning it loose. And they were blue ticks. We had registered blue ticks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, um... So that's how it started. You and Jason would have got along good. Hey, yo, I still like blue tick. I, I still do too. Yeah. I only got two left, but. Yeah. So, so that's where it started. Oh, yeah. And uh, we, I think I had four different dogs during that time period. And uh, none of them were of much account, uh, you know, but we, we hunted a lot. And what it did for me, though, was it built in me a sense of, I, I would describe it just as adventure that I didn't find in big game hunting because we were hunting at night. I mean, yep. that was now a whole different thing. It is way different at night. Yeah. And your father, grandfather, no, no hound in there. Nope. You're nope. the first. You know, I, there's a picture of my great grandfather, Oscar Newcomb with a pair of beagles. I think he, but it's so distant that I yeah. don't even know the story. Know there's what just, about you, Jason? As far as family and dogs, I did not know that I had family members with hounds until well after. Yeah, done. I was that was the same way. I was knee deep because there are people who just generational, right? They their parents had dogs, and I don't know if my kids will be that way or not. But you know what I mean? Like they 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 grew up in it, so if they continued mm -hmm. the torch, it'll be a different. And, and sometimes that's. I see, I, I think back to different times uh, and people specifically, I'm not going to name any names, but that grew up that way, grew up under houndsmen, great houndsmen. And they had a harder time. Yep. It seemed like 
because it was like they were judged or they felt pressure. They had to yeah. hit a standard. Yeah. And, and and I don't think they'd seen it, you know, but I just know of people who, it was like, just chill out, man. It's like, there's no, and I don't know. It just makes me think sometimes like, oh, my kids are, you know, are my kids going to be that way where they, you know, have that ego of like, well, I know well, what it happens doing. right now. Does it not? I mean, like I talk to a lot of people like, oh, your kids, you know, they're going to grow up and be hound doggers. I really don't care if my kids do or not. Like I want them to, right. but at minimum, I want them to respect what we do and understand what we do and advocate for it. You know, whether mm-hmm. they change. So I'm not even talking about that, whether they go into it or not. I'm, I'm talking about the, the ego involved in a, so and I don't know how my kids are going to do Could I, uh, I'll throw my son under the bus. You know what I mean? He was, he was talking about trucks or something. Like, I forget what it was, but he's like, oh, he wanted my help with something. And it was a session. It was something stupid. It was like working on one of his RC trucks. That's what it was. And he's like, well, they don't make that size in a plastic screw. And I'm like, son, the screw has nothing to do with being plastic or metal. You know what I mean? Like, but he, the the point of the whole exercise was he wanted to he wanted to have power and knowledge you know and and so he wanted to you brag if you will you know what I mean I think that's natural for a boy you know what I mean so I think of the hounds I'm just relating it to the them houndsmen the, those kids that grew up under a houndsman you're always under this person so you want to be the guy in the know and so those kids sometimes would. Oh, that dog's doing this. You know what I mean? Like they've seen it, and so they've learned. Whereas I didn't have that. I didn't know what the heck I was doing, and so I was like, kept my mouth shut, and was like, I don't know what my dogs are doing. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But when you're near somebody, you'll tell you what they're doing. Don't worry. <laughs> they had an additional pressure that you know. That's why I was kind of asking you, you know, yours. Right. And so, anyways, I told my my boy, and I'll wrap that story up because it's not even re- relative. But I was like, sometimes, son. If you really don't know the answer, keep your mouth shut because somebody's going to walk by that does know the answer yes. and they aren't going to tell you you're wrong. They're just going to go, hmm, my that dad, kid don't know what he's talking about and walk off. My dad always told us you're better to be silent and thought a fool than speak and remove all doubt. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and that is rung true year after year after year, every, yeah. all through my life. It's, but yeah, I, I think it is different because of, I mean, we obviously know a lot of guys that have been. In in the hound dogs from the time they were you know being packed into a tree at two years old, yeah. you know I don't know if my family hid it from me <laughs> intentionally or if it was just coincidence. But yeah, my great uncle he he ran hounds for lots of years. In fact, the bear camp that I was in when we were hunting California were a few of my great uncle's hunting partners from back in the day. You know, and we get talking. Oh yeah, we know Bob Lumpkin. He's passed on now. But it was just funny, like small world and all of this comes together. And then, you know, family in California, I'm looking through old family photos. Here's my great, great grandfather with hounds. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of glad I, I forged my own way. It was not easy. You know, I think it's harder for people like yourself. Yeah, buddy. You know, I, I don't uh, know if it was or not. I, 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 don't, I It's just a thought that uh, crosses that my mind. Yeah, you know, that introduction point, though, is so critical. Like, I, you know, I was. I got into hounds and because I was introduced in some way, you know, like if that little piece of my best friend's dad not taking me, you know, I may have never found that, you know, but that's that little, and everybody has a different story, but, uh, I, 
a lot of times we talk about, and we've kind of got away from it, but the, like one dog, you know, like at least in our world or in my world, the dog has driven my life. You know what I mean? So that one dog that I was telling you, I brought back from Texas and, and it introduced me to this person and it just kind of started a domino yeah, effect yeah. down my life, which I can look back and go, hmm, that's really interesting. You know, that, that one little life thing that happened. Yeah. And so what's that one dog, if you will, I mean, and dogs may not be fully encompassed of your life, right. but. Well, I, I think I've got a good answer for you there. And, I, and it'll complete the, my hound story. So I got out of hounds when I went to college. Basically, I had these dogs back home and I went to college in a different town. And so I was driving back and forth and, you know, it was just like the dogs were in the pen and my dad was feeding them. And it's just like, this isn't going to work. So I got rid of the dogs. Dad wasn't happy with you. You know, I actually. I'm I'm recounting this story and I have very few memories. I think he was okay with it, but it, it, uh, it just, I can't remember the details of, of that specifically, but I just, I just didn't like leaving dogs penned up and not hunting them. So I got rid of the dogs and, you know, I became an adult, you know, I mean, I got married, I had kids, I worked and I honestly didn't know if I would ever get back into coon hunting. Like I just thought, it it took so much energy and effort to have, and I didn't even have good dogs. It took a lot of energy and effort to have bad dogs. <laughs> right. Uh, and uh, I didn't know if I'd get back in it. And, you know, my life quickly began to fill up with big game hunting. That became an emphasis and to this day still is, you know. And, uh, but when I, so here's the story of how I got back into it. So when I, it would have been almost, well, it would have been five years ago, just five years ago. Uh, Bear Hunting Magazine, which is what I do for a living, we started to write a legendary bear hound column, which was an idea that we had just to write stories about deceased bear dogs that were good. So, so we started tracking down houndsmen and writing stories. And it's ended up being one of the most successful columns that we have in the magazine. I mean, people really love it. And the very first one that I did was with uh, Steve Hurd out of, protection kansas just totally random that he was picked first i didn't know him from adam but somebody i'd seen a picture of one of his dogs on a bear in the 1970s a dog he had named Bearpath gunner and it was this beautiful black and white photo i mean just a perfect like professional photo this huge bear in wisconsin and this dog and somebody had said they had tagged it legendary bear dog Bearpath gunner and i was like that's my dog. I'm going to write a story about that dog. Well, I call Steve Hurd and he's passionate and Steve's now, I think, 70 years old and we just hit it off. I just liked him. He, he loves to talk and loves to talk about his dog and has this rich history with these dogs. And long story short, six months after I wrote the story, my family had grown into a stage where it was time for us to have a dog. And we live out in the country, but we hadn't had a dog for many years. And I thought, you know what? Rather than have just a yard dog, we ought to get a plot bear dog. You know, we can't run big game in Arkansas. And I knew that, and I didn't plan to run big game with it. But it was like, it'd be cool just to have a plot. I was intrigued by what Steve had told me about these dogs. And so I called Steve Hurt and just said, hey, if you got a dog that you'd sell me that probably isn't going to make a good hunting dog, one that'll just kind of lay around my yard. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, not, do, not do plot stuff. Yeah, <laughs> really. That's literally what I said because I didn't want a high-powered hunting dog. That, that was my original intent. Right. 
and he said, and I think, I think he was just trying to tell me what, tell me what I wanted to hear. And he was like, oh yeah, I got a dog that it'd be perfect. And I was like, <laughs> well, I'll come by tomorrow. Got him. And so, <laughs> and so I went and met him and picked up this six month old dog and the dog had never had a collar on its neck in its life. Six months old. And we put a collar on it. I mean, it just went nuts. <laughs> and around. it was like a wild like a animal. Fish. And what I learned, and Steve will tell you this. Did your wife go with you to pick up yep. with your family? Yep, the whole family. <laughs> what was her look when oh. she's watching this dog flop around? I, the dog was ultra shy. I mean, like the first four days, I actually was going to call Steve and be like, I don't think this is going to work. This ain't going to work. The dog was super shy. I mean, just like deathly shy. And I'm, I can talk bad because of how the story turns out. So just wait for me. Um, You're not going to get I'm like not, hate mail from Steve. N- oh, no. Steve's heard this story. Steve's a good friend of mine. I text Steve in the middle of the night about once a week in the you, winter. You didn't answer the question. What did your wife look at you like? Yeah, she was. She wanted a boxer. <laughs> oh, so no. this dog, it was just like, holy cow, what have we done? What have we done? So the, the dog... So when I met with Steve, Steve was like, Steve was like, this dog is going to be trained by the time it's nine months old. It's going to be running track. It's going to be. Do-. And when I got in the car, I was like, if this dog does any of that, I'll be real happy. I mean, just like <laughs> any of it. Like I didn't expect any of it to happen. Man to the day that dog did what he said. And and I kind of got excited. And long story short, too, the the dog, after about a week, warmed up to us and just kind of became this like kind of normal hound, you know, yeah. just friendly and lovable and responsive. And uh, anyway, I started hunting it and I didn't really plan to coon hunt. Like I just took it out just because I had kids that wanted to see what the dog would do and I had good coon hunting ground and I was like, yeah, we'll take the dog out. We started hunting that dog and man, it just turns on. I mean, just, it, 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 I will never forget those probably four months when we were, from the time that dog was nine months old to the time it was about 13 months old. I mean, we could not hunt that dog enough just with the kids. I mean, the kids, they were, they would beg me to take them coon hunting and we hunted, uh, I think we hunted a hundred nights that winter and, um, wow. and that dog just turned on fire. And that's Fern, and it's a dog I still got. And I, I don't know that she's a, she's not a, I mean, I'm not trying to say that she's some great coon dog because I don't know. She's the best that I've ever had, and we can on the, on the, is this like on the face of the earth? Yeah. <laughs> How good? <laughs> yeah. How good a coon dog is she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just tell me the truth. <laughs> hey, all I know is that. To this day, she she'll be six years old this November. When I turn her loose, about eighty percent of the time, the next time I see her, she's treed and got a coon up a tree. You know, that's pretty good. And 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 we're hunting in a place with a fair amount of coons. It's pretty rough country at different times, but uh, you know, I don't think she'd be a great competition dog. Uh, she's got some flaws, mm-hmm. uh, but. Golly, I'd t- if I could have a dog like her for the rest of my life, I would have five of them. Oh. We just love her. So, Fern. That's uh, it. And, and uh, yeah, and, and right right now I have I have four plots, and they're all from, the, from Steve's line of dogs. 
and um and most of his dogs are big game dogs like all of fern's litter mates were bear and hog dog and uh and good one do and any of them lay on the porch like you wanted them to do you know fern is that kind of dog <laughs> she would i keep her kennel up she's too valuable to me to take a chance so you just slid it in there on the sly like we just want a dog quote it, unquote yeah 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 exactly it was supposed to be a yard dog and then when she started treeing game and doing real good i was like we better treat this dog yeah, yeah we better not let this thing run around and so your <laughs> children were what 12 14? well so it would have been five years ago so my youngest would have been like it would have been like seven, nine, eleven, and thirteen, and they they all hunted with me. I mean, my kids will forever be imprinted with coon hunting. They really will, and we had a lot of fun. And coon hunting is kind of cool because it's a it's not quite the investment of, of a big game hunt. You know, you can go out for an hour mm. and not have some big commitment. And we have these super liberal seasons. I mean, we can coon hunt nine months a year in Arkansas, run on public or private. And uh, a lot of action, and uh, so yeah, and we're we're coon hunters to this day, you know. So, Coonapalooza, Coonapalooza. We we take a ton of kids. I tell you what, and you know, most of my hunting career has been dedicated to big game hunting, bear hunting, whitetail hunting, you know, and but by far, exponentially by 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 far. I've introduced more people to hunting through coon hunting than anything I've ever done. Yeah, that's something that's you do awesome. a lot. Like I, I've kind of noticed that you take kids out and Man, it's amazing. It's partly my kids. My kids are good salesmen and they're 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 influential in their spheres, which is good. They're leaders. And uh man, at their school, they they've made it cool to be a hunter. They're the cool kid. They are. I mean, I mean and it's not that they're trying to be cool. That they, they just they just have something. I mean, like, I find that, uh, I don't know, they just got stories to tell. I mean, they come to school and they're like, we went hunting last night with that and the dogs treed a, a, a coon and then there was another coon in the other tree that ran down the tree and ran across dad's legs and did, you know, I mean, just whatever. Right. That didn't happen, but I'm just, you know, they, they have some story of, and the other kids are like, we watched Netflix last night. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and uh, and that's just happened so much, you know, that it's just like, anyway, they, we take a lot of kids. So, I mean, no joke. I mean, I bet we've taken, I think I've said in the past a hundred people over the last five years. I mean, I just go back and look at the photos. Like we, we do, we have one photo where there's 17 people that went coon hunting with us. Man. And, and you don't have to have a license. Right. You know, they're not carrying a gun. They're you, you, spectator sport. Spectator kinda. sport. There's, you don't have to have a hunter's education. There's one gun. It's safe. Yeah. Um, it's uh, you know, it's just easy to take people. It's a social sport. You're not sitting around in the cold don't waiting move. for something. You're <laughs> talking. You're having fun. There's yeah. an adventure. There's not that much investment. And uh, you know, last year I took all the coon hides. And I had them professionally tanned at the tannery, and then I gave all the hides to the kids that hunted with me last year. So I think That's I think cool. it was seventeen hides from last winter that I gave away, and I actually had more that I just didn't I didn't get tanned. Um, but you know, try to find ways to to just you know introduce kids to it, and 
and they love it. That's hard. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sound like somebody's dying. Over I know. Here. <laughs> I, I was like, his heart just skipped. Yeah. Just check my inreach. Oh no, I. That's hard to do for me because I I don't like kids. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, so, sometimes neither do I buddy <laughs> was I going to say that out loud good thing I thought I was a jerk yeah. <laughs> everybody says I'll say what I think but um, you know it, it takes a lot of effort to, yeah. to do that and, and especially somebody you may not know or whatever and the kids are probably a little easier because the kids probably pad you a little bit you know but I know for me so I'll be like, oh, here's your go. I'm like, man, I don't really want to go out with you. And I don't know if you get that or two, but I'm <laughs> he like. He says that right to him. I was like, man, I would. I just don't want to spend wanna. that much time with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I probably should be a little more cautious of what I say. But it, it does take, you know, we talked to some guides and outfitters and stuff. And, and that is a component that sometimes you don't realize is the relationship with us and our dogs. It changes when somebody else is with you sometimes yeah. you don't think you realize that sometimes you know what i mean it if you like people then probably you know i mean because it is there are people that only hunt with other people you know what i mean i i you know they whether, don't hunt alone they, they won't hunt alone, alone. Yeah. you know what i mean and, and that's and that's fine i mean there's there's probably they're smarter than some of us you know but i kind of have really gotten to where i like to hunt alone a lot you know and i feel it's kind of it, a little apprehensive at first, but the more you do it, the more comfortable you are and, and the more I grow. And so by you taking people out, that's just, I just acknowledge that takes some effort takes sometimes, effort. you it know, and, uh, and, and it's selfless in some, in some respects. You know, I, I, I have a spiel that I give. It's, it's become a thing and the kids are like, okay, dad. We're ready. Now, when we're riding to where we're going, uh, Colby, you've been with me when I took a new hunter before. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if I gave you all this. I did give you the spill. You probably heard the spill so many times. You don't even <laughs> listen anymore. But now, now I, I try to really educate people about, you know, people like see a dog. They see to them as just maybe even an ugly dog. I mean, just some little squatty, brindle-looking, long-eared, mm-hmm. yappy dog. Like, they don't... When I see that, I'm like, wow, look at that thing. Right. When they see it, they're just like, mutt. Like, <laughs> you have to interpret stuff for people. You have to interpret. You have to... And especially with a kid, you can do that really well. You can be like, kids, this is the thoroughbred racehorse <laughs> of the <laughs> hound world. What you're looking at is the absolute, you know tapestry and art of the craftsmanship of a hundred years of houndsmen breeding dogs to make this amazing <laughs> animal. It was like, this is, you know, you have to interpret stuff for people. So when I take kids or adults the same, I, I want them to know what we're doing. So I talk to them about the four stages of a coon hunt, the, stri- the strike, the track, the locate, and the tree. Like they, you turn a dog loose in the dark and the next thing they hear is a dog barking and the next thing you walk up to a coon tree and there's a coon. Well, it's actually a lot more nuanced than that. It's a lot more complicated than that. I interpret for them that, hey, this is the beauty of hound hunting. This is, listen to that dog. Oh, he just struck. And so I have the kids, you know, say, you know, I say, when it's strike, you know, on the way there, I'll tell them, strike is the first time they bark when they smell a track. The trail is when they're smelling where the coon's been walking. 
The locate is when they think they found it, but they're not sure, and they're trying to find it up in the tree. And in the tree bark, you know, so so they're Just listening. Break it down. They're listening, man. Even the adult, I do this with adults. They're listening. And uh, my kids love it. You know, they're constantly trying to call strike and stuff on, you know, on the dogs right. and locate. And and, uh, and and Fern has a really great locate bark, very distinct locate. And so it's so great because a kid can often pick it out if they're paying attention. The even first, their first time, time. Never heard it. Yep. yep they really can. And they're like, he just located. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is a kid that's never been hunting. And uh, so you, you, I think that's really important is you have to, you have to interpret it for them. Like this, a coon dog doesn't, you don't just take a hound and turn it loose and it's a coon dog. No, there's, there's work involved in this. And we feed these dogs all year. And these are, you know, this is an amazing thing that this dog does this, you know, just, you got to interpret it. Yeah. And you're good at it. And, and like, I don't want to say embellish, but interpreting, like, that's a good word, but you were, I think we said on earlier, like you have a, an aura about you when you describe things. Yes. Like we joked that you need well, a thesaurus, man. You I need to get it, the, you know, the clay issue thesaurus so you can figure out what words <laughs> he's using. And you're like, yeah, that that's what that means. I think, um, which brings me to my question. Do you have that same type of, so when it's just you in the woods, do you have that relationship with your dog? Like, do you really think I really about? I do. I hunt a lot by myself. Yeah. I mean, you you got to to have decent dogs. Oh yeah. I mean, and I the, the, the truth is, I enjoy hunting by myself, coon hunting, as much as anything I do. Uh, I truly do. Just going by myself, sitting, just turning a dog loose, and uh, you know, absolutely. I mean, I there's a difference between embellishing and interpreting. I, yeah, yeah. I'm glad that you said that because to me, that is the, that is exactly the way it plays out in my mind, you know? Right. And I, I, it's, it's, it's the, there is something deeper behind it or we wouldn't all do it. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> you mean no. we wouldn't throw money away and spend hours in the dark? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, there's, there's something magic behind it. And I think, I think, People are just trying to explain that. Yeah. People are trying to understand that, you know? And so, and that's, that's good. Oh, yeah. How about you, Jason? You got anything? Do I have anything? I mean, I've just always been kind of interested in the mule side of it. You know, and I talked with Brett Vaughn a bit about that, but like, I guess my attraction to a lot of your episodes, I like it when you're talking about like the family involvement you know, the Kunapalooza and the stuff like that. But I guess my question would be as a parent, have you noticed your, your shift from like, I'm Clay Newcomb, wild man, hunt fool to, I mean, getting these kids on generational continuance and, and getting that. Have you had to change the way that you do that? Cause I, mm. you know, I, I'm not entirely sure. I totally understand the question, but I think what you're, I mean, I think, uh, I think what makes anything work is that you're just being authentic to who you are. Like, so to me, I don't really change anything, whether I'm with, um, whether I'm with my kids who already know the spiel, Mm -hmm. who who already know all this stuff, uh, or whether they don't, um, 
I don't know. Can you clarify your yeah, question? Yeah, well, like I, I'm more so like I'm thinking of a river like mule accident. Oh yeah, and and things like that because I mean the coon hunting is great, but I I like following your bear hunt. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do you find yourself not going to certain places when you're hunting with the kids, or oh. do you find yourself leaning towards this area because of you know, okay, dangerous grades? You know, I just I remember watching the video and and hearing about rivers rack you know the first rodeo yeah, yeah and that was like i was still kind of a new father i still kind of am i guess but it, i just found it interesting because there's a lot of guys that we talk to that are parents new parents and the, all they hear is when you're a parent you're hunting ants i mean like yeah. that is what gets said around here and i have found it to be so much farther away than that like, yeah i hunt more now that i got kids almost than when we did yeah so I didn't know if maybe like things had no, shifted. No, I wouldn't say so. I mean, yeah, there's, you have more responsibility inside your life. So you just have to balance things more. Um, you know, there's some places I don't take my kids. I mean, there's just some things I, I wouldn't do with them, but there's a whole lot of stuff that, I that I do with them. And I think my kids involvement with me has just been a natural outflow so, I mean, I've not done anything different. I actually had somebody a few days ago ask me, um, like, how did you start this media stuff with kids? And I was like, well, I didn't really do it on purpose. I just, I, I just was going hunting and my mm -hmm. kids were with me and I was making a video. So they were in it like, cause they perceived like something like really strategic. Right. And I was like, that's just who we were. It's just what we did. They were there. So they were on the film. Like, that's cool. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, it was never like, I want to make a film with my kids. I want to, but you the, wanted to make deeper, a film and your kids were there. They had to be there. Mm -hmm. They, that's just who we were. We took our kids with us everywhere we went. And, and, uh, and I still do. Uh, I would have brought my 14 year old son. If, if Colby hadn't been able to come on this to, you know, to be here. That kid hates you now, Colby. Yeah. He hates you right now. You <laughs> <laughs> took his no, place. No, it, <laughs> like, <laughs> kicking a 14 year old. But yeah, you do have to amend <laughs> some things that you just, you know, you got to understand the capacities of your kids. And, and I'm real careful of every kid's different. You know, you don't want to burn them out. Um, and w the deal with River getting hurt on a mule, like that was a pretty big blow to my, uh, you know, like I, that was a fathering mistake. Um, and I, you know, I just, that I, I put too much faith, well, in the mule. And then she was just too green to do what I was asking her to do. She ended up getting hurt. She's okay for people that hadn't heard it. She didn't <laughs> like it. She, she's totally fine. And it's actually her like badge of honor. I was going to say, I'll oh, bet she's, she's like, she's like a legend at her school. Oh, I'll bet, man. Yeah, she really is. But, but, uh, your ego didn't stand as good though. Sounds like you took, yeah, little... I just felt How was bad. that phone call to Misty? <laughs> you know, my wife is, she's a lot like me. She's, she in that we want to expose our kids to stuff. We don't want to shelter them too much. Mm -hmm. At the same time, we don't want to get them thrown off mules very often, but she wasn't too upset. It was the second time that River got hurt on a mule <laughs> after that. I'm serious. And that wasn't on a video. We didn't make much about that, but she got buck bucked off a donkey on a, on a blacktop road. Oh, geez. Uh, and it was like a no big deal. Like it was this silly little donkey we had. She was riding it and it bucked her off. 
and she broke her hand on the ground just by the way she landed. I mean, if it had happened 10 times, nine times, you just would have been like, ouch. Mm-hmm. It, Walk it off. Ten, one out of 10, you break something. Well, she broke it. That's when Misty was like, Clay, <laughs> you can't let that girl back on a wild animal anymore. <laughs> so we, river rides, but I don't let her ride the those those kind anymore. Buck right. Off. So do you got an, you got bucked off? Me? Yeah. Yeah. I got a good, got a good, you know, I've not, besides you losing, I think we already told a story about you losing your meal. You yeah, losing after meal. losing the meal. Nah, I've, uh, I guess I've come up. Colby's got. His is graceful <laughs> though. Colby's falls in slow motion. <laughs> I missed that. It was that. pretty epic. <laughs> I missed that. When, what was that? It was our Montana hunt last year. Oh really? He had a yeah. mule fall through a snowpack and went. Uh-huh. The mule was walking on this big snowfield, uh-huh. and a hoof just disappears and goes down like two feet. So the mule just drops. Yeah, and, and I'm like, it just I'm out. Dumps Colby <laughs> right. Just the plow. video. It just looks like it was a. Whoa, whoa. And here he's tipping, and like the gravity took over, and here he rolls <laughs> off in front of this mule. Now I've had a couple of. Uh, now I, I had I had a mule one time that was a, it was, it was a green mule. Green broke just means it's untrained basically. And I had a twenty two rifle over my shoulder, and with equine animals, and maybe even especially mules, like they're pretty in tune with anything mm-hmm. that's different. When I walked up that mule, I could tell it didn't like that gun. It just kind of bristled up and ears looking at me. I was just like, whatever. You can't be afraid of this gun. I get on the mule and the gun is touching the saddle and we trot off. And when I trot off that gun, the butt of that gun starts bouncing on the saddle. And so she just, just takes off <laughs> in a sprint. And the fat, the faster she runs, the harder that gun <laughs> bounces. <laughs> and she makes a, Big spin through the yard. I mean, we're totally out of control. And I'm, whoa, 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 you know, trying to stop her, trying to stop her. And finally, I realize I've got to shed this gun. To, I mean, she is not stopping. I mean, she's running as fast as a mule can run, just freaking out. And so I grab the 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 shoulder, you know, the strap sling. of the gun, the sling, and I bring it over my shoulder and as I'm I'm just going to throw it on the ground and as it's going this way she sees the gun <laughs> and just makes a 90 degree turn while she's running about 30 miles an hour and I just go straight <laughs> yeah. Did the saddle go with you like the cartoons yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> man and I just just rolled on the ground and the gun flew off and look it didn't hurt me I just yeah. got up scared the tar out of me have you owned a good mule uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I got good ones now. <laughs> well, I don't have that one anymore. <laughs> yeah. Or the donkey. Yeah, the donkey. Poor donkey. Poor donkey. No, I've I've got really good mules now. Three really good. Well, one of them's Colby's. Yeah. Do you get to go out much with them on the mules, or hmm? you go out much with them on the mules? Well, I I had a busy year this last year. <laughs> So we've got a lot busy. You looked at him like, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get off being vague. Like. <laughs> no, no. Are you overworking your employees? <laughs> That's the look I was looking at. I don't know. I don't know what that look was. <laughs> no, 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 no. There was a, there was a need and I ended up teaching some math classes at a private school this last year. So I 
didn't have much time. But right after I bought my mule, I got That's crazy not, busy. You should just blame it on Clay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you were way too green for yeah. this conversation. You could have yeah. you yeah. you got a pay raise out the of this deal is, right now. The good news is I got a really, really bomb-proof mule, though. Like, he's super soft. Sorry, broke in. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah he's, what's his name? Ace. Ace? Yeah. See, I'm weird about naming stuff after, so, like, if you name a dog, you know, I don't know, Tornado, like, they're going to be wild and crazy. <laughs> like, anything you got to name after a sedation agent, like Ace, I'd be a little hesitant. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> He's it. <laughs> yeah. And who do you got, Clay? Uh, so, the mule that I trained uh, is Izzy, and she's my top mule. Um, she's a five-year-old paint colored mule just flashy 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 mule. right flashy. trademark flashy mule. hunter magazine flashy <laughs> mule. yeah she uh no I, that would be like a first dog for me like i I, re- I never trained a mule and i ended up buying this mule like totally untrained untouched and in a six-week time period i trained her and was riding her and uh she's a good mule man mm-hmm. i mean i would i would uh she, it, it, this is so true your mule is a lot like you like the real good horse whispers and trainers, you hear them say stupid stuff like that, and you're like, oh, those romantic idiots. It's true. Like, I trained Izzy, and I see characteristics that are influenced by her training that reflect the weakness in my own life. I truly do. Really? She's, 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 a little bit abru- she's a little bit harsh and quick to react to stuff, but she's also... Well, there's good things too. Uh, it, and and she. <laughs> so, hold on, hold on. You, you. Well, I, I was, I was looking at something shiny, Clay. I wasn't paying attention. I'm not keeping up. I gotta. She's. She's, all, she's. She's. No, no. Before that, you said the mule. In in your weaknesses, it's a transfer. Like, yes, it is. So explain that one more time. Like, so I'm focus here. I'm I'm looking at you. I'm, this this mule like. The real good horse trainers will tell you that you can see yourself inside the animal that you're training. And you can see weaknesses and you can see strengths. Because that animal, you you are essentially becoming that animal's leader. You're not training that animal to do anything. You're using horse and mule language. Oh, I'll say mule. You're using, that, that mule knows one language, and that's mule. It doesn't know English. It doesn't know anything but mule you're speaking mule to that animal and you're teaching it how to live you're t- mm. you're, you're taking dominance over that an- the only reason that thousand pound wild animal fully capable of killing you at any second lets you ride lets you get on its back <laughs> is because you have overcome a system inside of its mind that says you're the boss and i'll do what you want and i trust you my mule would rather be standing right beside me than the other mules. Like if I go in the pasture, Izzy is like over my shoulder. That's where she wants to be. If we're out in the woods, she wants to be standing right beside me because I'm her leader. I mean, that's essentially the way it works. And I think, um, I think in a lot of respects that can, can, when you, when I look at a true hound, like a true dog man, like not, and I'm not putting anybody down that, that doesn't hunt and doesn't, live with their dogs and i'm not even saying i am a true dog man but when you see a guy's life dedicated around dogs and 
he goes out, the way his dogs act reflect the hunter that he mm. is. Yes. The tenacity, yep. the, the stickiness, the, you know, whether it's sticking with a bad bear or whether it's working a cold, hard cat track, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, and I can just say from my er- early years, my dogs gave up quickly on a, you know, cross the road. Ah, we're done. You know what I mean? And it wasn't until I hunted with some people who had dogs cross roads and, 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 you know, the cat ran down the road or up the road that his dogs would look, you know, it was like, it wasn't like, well, I don't know where the cat went. Yeah, so we'll go let's, home. let's go try and catch another one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. that's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's, there's people out there doing it. So I'm not judging one way or the other, but, but there's a hunter that goes, ah, uh-uh, that cat just didn't fly away. Find where it. did it go? And spend the rest of the day looking for that one cat that they lost at this junction right here. And that cat could have gone up there. It could have gone there. And the dogs may not figure it out, but you circle here, you circle there, you start walking, you start, you know what I mean? Like you put your boot leather on and your boots on and, and you're like, nope, we, we started this one. We want to finish this one and whether you do or not. So anyways, I digress. But what you were saying there was really interesting because I think, I don't think, you know, family pet, you know, oh, I don't think that connection is deep enough right with a dog you know it, it can be probably but somebody who lives with the dogs and and you can see it in, in different people mm-hmm. when you you know i was telling you the 100 i went there and i, I looked at him and I, the way his dogs came out i was like this guy spent some time with his dog i mean it, yeah. he those dogs um so i just find it interesting yeah. there yeah i'm sure there's some crossover with that i think anybody that's training animals you can't fake it. Like you, you can't just have all the answers. Like you can't just have a textbook about how to train a cat dog right? and just be like, and never have worked with a dog and go out and read the textbook and do it. It's like, you have to, you have to live it and know it and be able to interpret situations. And, uh, I mean, there's a whole lot more of that. It's what makes us human. What makes us different than other animals is our ability to, to, to train and to extract stuff from other, whether it be dogs, whether it be mules. I mean, we're the only ones that do that kind of stuff. Right. And it's a special human trait. And it's, uh, you know, in some ways it's almost supernatural, but in other ways it's very functional and very practical. Even like his example of just a, a guy that doesn't give up. And so his dogs learn, you know, the real functional side of that is that those dogs, rather than being in the box for another three hours or over on the other side of the road, and they figure it out finally. Well, the next time they hit the road, they know what to do. Mm-hmm. And But that is a reflection of that guy's internal makeup. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those dogs become become more, you know, in tune with the kind of hunter he is. I would say with yeah. the, the new guys, and somehow I'm not the kid anymore so I'm in the group. I'm not like exactly the old guy but I'm not the kid anymore that I still feel like I am a lot of times. I don't know if you ever, do you ever feel like you're like the young kid? Like you don't know what you're doing. Like, yep. I feel like that, but I'm like a 40 something year old. I'm like, God damn, I'm the guy in the room that people are looking at. (laughs) Like I got the answers. (laughs) I don't got the answers, (laughs) but, but, uh, you know, what do you do? And I'm like, man. And I always kind of go back to, I can't tell you how to do it. 
like I, I wish I could. I wish I could just, oh yeah, just do X, Y, and Z. And there's books out there. And I'm not saying that you can't help speed the process sure. up. You know, that you can definitely not make some mistakes that people, you know, there's mistakes not to make. But um, as, a, as a new hunter, a young hunter, the dog seems to give as much effort as the hunter does in, in some capacity. Meaning mm-hmm. in the beginning, I didn't give as much effort. And so my dogs were not, they didn't give as much effort either. Rather I'd call them off or whatever I was doing. Um, and I don't, I don't fully comprehend all that I was doing wrong. I, I was, it was more than I probably want to think about, but, <laughs> um, I would imagine this. I wonder if it's the same with the mule. And, and my second, my other question I got for you is if you trained that mule and you gave that mule to me, could I wreck that mule? Oh Yeah. Yeah, no, nah, but you you might be able to do just fine with her. I mean, like... Uh, but could, uh, could somebody who just really did not understand mules, I mean, they would just... You mean like on a single ride? Like, are you saying, could no, you like, go ride? Let's, ride say, let's, say, let's say I gave you a, oh, you a, could, a cat you dog. Could, I got this. this you could this mess cat her dog. up in a day. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine. Absolutely. Same with a dog. Like, yeah. a lot of times, and, you know, somebody will have a dog. It's like, this dog does X, Y, Z. And then you give it to somebody and they're like, shoot, this dog doesn't do X, Y, or Z. You know yep. what I mean? And, yep. And, uh, and that's a really touchy subject on some levels oh, yeah. because you have your, not, you got the dog, but you got the human ego of that dog does what I say it's going to do. You know, yeah, so it yeah. does this and this, you know what I mean? So sometimes I, I think people don't respect the differences of people with yep. the animal that how they, and and sometimes it's not even really noticeable. You, yes. Yeah. Sometimes it's blatant. I mean, I had a dog that I bought. It was, I guess, my first hound. I got a, a couple of puppies, but I bought this dog named Thumper. And that dog did not want to hunt for me. And I knew he was a good dog. Like, my buddies took him out. They knew the dog. He came from lines that we all knew. You know, and they really did me a solid getting me a good dog. And after a year, I found out he really is a good dog. Um, but for that first six, eight months to a year, it wouldn't even hardly hunt for me. He'd just mm. kind of tag so along. Why? Why not? I don't know. It, it, you, need, you need to think some more. Well, A, I was <laughs> new. I had it, zero. And I mean absolutely zero clue what I was doing. Yeah. You know, I I had a couple of buddies and they said, hey, we found this dog. He's X amount of money, cool, buy them. And then I'm out there hunting, you know, with with people who didn't have your typical nine to five. So they'd hunt on a Tuesday night or a Thursday night. And I got to hunt on Saturday by myself. I ruined that dog in the beginning when he finally did start. Like he just, he didn't know. And eventually we both worked through it and he turned out to be a Well, you know, when you're dealing with dogs or mules, you're dealing with a pack animal. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like you change pack leaders and something shifts. Dynamics. I mean, I think I think we have this image that an animal is like a four wheeler. You know, just turn the you key just and start go. it up and go. Like that's what I thought when I first got mules. Is this is a four wheeler? Get trained mule, just get up there and go. Right, and that is not the case at all. No, there's a lot of craft involved in handling them. Even you could buy a ten thousand dollar mule and go out and think you just got robbed, and it really be a great mule. And then someone that would know could come in and go, okay, first mistake you made was when you pulled out of the trailer, you know, you 
rather than, you know, letting it do this, you let it do that. And then we put the saddle on, you did this and you did, it's just like, there's more to it. It's not that simple. Mm -hmm. And that to me is the beauty of, you know, so much has been stolen from us as humans from technology as wonderful as technology is. And as much as I would never go back, I mean, the fact that you can roll a four wheeler out of a trailer and start it up and drive 20 miles has taken away a lot of stuff from us. Yeah. I mean, when I get my mule out of a trailer, you might just perceive that I'm backing my four-wheeler out and I'm putting a seat on its back and just riding. There's a whole lot going on. I am watching that mule's eyes. I'm watching its ears. I'm I'm like, what kind of mood is she in today? I mean, I have to evaluate that. This is a mule that I've ridden. I think I've ridden 1,000 miles on Izzy. That's in the ballpark of what I've ridden her. All across the West, in Arkansas, so, I mean, it, this is not a green mule. Mm-hmm. This is a been there, done that mule. Yeah. Every time I get on her, I'm watching her. Just like, she's a wild animal. She, she, you know. And uh, In the end. And, and, and I'm doing things to communicate to her that everything's okay. Man, a mule communicates with its, its uh, facial, facial stuff. I mean, this is not like witchcraft. This is just true. Mules communicate you didn't make, with you didn't their make ears. This up. You... I'm just reporting to you the truth. The truth, nothing but the truth. They, they communicate truth. with their eyes and their ears and their facial. Fa- you know, they don't. They don't have a language like we have. That's that intricate. Right. And so, when I, if I have a tight face, she's tense. I can make her tense up by doing. I'm, right now, I'm for those of you who can't see. I'm like giving this. I'm giving it's the stank weird. eye. It's kind of weird. I'm scared I'm right now. Colby, eye. is this normal? Is this no. happening? You a lot give now? the stank <laughs> eye to that mule, and that mule. That's basically like saying you should be alarmed that I'm looking like this and I'm your leader. If I come out there with just a relaxed face, eyes, or you know, half my eyelids covering my pupil, just hey, girl, how you doing? Pet her. She's just as happy as she can be. Clay walks and, into a bar. No. <laughs> no, just like little stuff. You watch a good horseman and they're just like, and, the, and the their movements dogs, are I sometimes think. bold. I mean, sometimes you might move fast and quick, but you're communicating with that animal. I mean, just just stuff like that, that I think is, is a development of craft. It's a, it's a, it's a new attention to awareness of what's around you. And, uh, and I, that's what's made. That's what makes us human. And you can't explain, like you can explain it like you're doing, but to experience it is way different. Like yeah. the dogs, I mean, you have to same think way. about it. And and that's what I was saying way back in is like, you might not even notice these little things that happen when somebody pulls their dogs out of a dog box or when you pull your dog your meal out of a trailer. You might to the to the inexperienced person or the young person. It's just get the dogs out, throw the collars on, let them go. And maybe some people hunt like that. But to the, to the guy that dedicates his life to the dogs, I mean, it's like you're bringing, you're making that connection with the dog, you know, and however it is, it can be done tons of different ways, you know, but, but the same thing, you know what I mean? Like when you let them out to go to the bathroom, like these old timers are doing things that they're not, a, a lot of people don't think about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just something they do. And they may not say they do it. They may not acknowledge they do right. it. They, they may not be able to describe what they right. do. But but they really are connected to that dog. And to watch, the, you know, that's why maybe why 
one of the reasons I don't like hunting dark because I get to watch my dog so much and I get to watch the pup and you know what I mean? So I get to see a lot of things that I just don't see in the dark. I, you know what I mean? Like you, you're hearing a dog, whereas I really enjoy watching the dog and I don't get to watch them once they, once they start, you're pretty much on sound, you know, yeah. over here. But, um, I think sometimes that I'm just hearing you talk about the mule and I think there's a, a really strong correlation to dogs. But I want to be careful that I, I honestly don't believe a lot of people that have dogs even look at, and I wasn't, I didn't, you know, in the, in the beginning, I didn't look at it there. And, and maybe it's just because I'm getting older and I'm, I'm getting more romantic and I listen to bear hunting magazines. So, so I'm like, ah, you know, we got to romanticize this a little bit more. Like, uh, uh, it's true though. I mean, I used to swear my dogs knew they could see what collar I had in my hand. And they knew that it was their turn. Mm. And then I just realized, no, I just collar the dogs up in this order. And they have learned that. Mm. And, mm. It, you know, when you rode a dog, I don't know, back there. I mean, I'm assuming everybody oh, either yeah, free we, casts or rigs yeah. them mainly. You guys rode We're them too in front of the pickup? and we rode hunt too. We let them run out front. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's primarily what I do. And you will learn more just staring at a dog's butt than you ever imagined. And, I mean, I've followed dogs for thousands of miles. And you start picking up, okay, here, there's something here. There, there's something up the hill. Like, there's no track here. It's up there. Or, right, right. you know, it, we're hunting behind somebody. We know that there's another hound hunter in the woods in front of us somewhere. Is it? They're amazing creatures. I mean, all of them. It's pretty yep. crazy. Yep. What about, I mean, I know we, Colby. You've got some hounding experience too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's hear about it because we have never it. had anybody who hunted hogs <laughs> oh, on really? the podcast yet. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. You're the uh, first. I'm the first. No it's pressure, pleasure, guys. Pleasure. <laughs> uh, no. I, did I we introduce up. Colby? I don't think I don't we did. Colby, do you, do you even have a last name or do you just, you just Colby? Every Colby, Colby Moorhead, right? <laughs> Colby Moorhead. Yeah. Moorhead. Yeah. The Bear Tech. The bear tech. <laughs> he like hand delivers magazines, did, is what Clay told us. Yeah. All. Did Clay give you that name? He did. I could tell that right away. I didn't give you the bear tech name. <laughs> you did. Who are you talking about? <laughs> did I, I come up with it? I might have. I don't know. No, it was a person. Was it a person? Wh- who, which I'll, person? I'll tell you later. Uh, I can't. I can't remember. <laughs> it was another human person that started with a K or C, <laughs> not a K. I can't even spell. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, really, like through college. Uh, there was a lot of, we did a lot of stuff with hounds. Uh, my dad had a lot of history inside of coon hunting whenever he was a teenager. And, uh, I mean, just like, he's got crazy stories of just like having no top on his Jeep and just driving to places he shouldn't be driving and following hounds. Um, he ran a bunch of walkers. And then, uh, whenever I was in elementary, we, we started chasing a lot of coons. Uh, it was walkers again. Uh, and we did that until, um, until probably I was in the like the tenth grade or something, and he was selling hides. Yeah, we. I mean, he was when they were worth something. When they were worth something, yeah. the market the market had a bump up, and uh, what was your high market? Because this 20, will blow people's minds if they have no idea what historically fur sales were. Twenty, I think the most we ever sold a hide before might have been twenty eight. Whenever we and went. that's high that's yeah. real high that would have been in the early 1990s it was in the something. 90s yeah yeah and i i remember we were hunting for a while and we just had all these coon skins up on this real thick stick 
And I want to say when we carried it, we had 108 hides. Like we were just like really well, getting it. That's a pretty it. precise number. Let's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so it's it's just forged in my mind. <laughs> I was like, I'm proud of this. <laughs> it's a good winter raccoon hunting. Heck yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, we just, we'd run them, run dogs. And then when we got into hog hunting, we got into, we started out trapping and then um, did that for a while. And then we got uh, some blackmouth curs we started running cur dogs on uh on hogs just in the river bottoms and just private lands mainly outside of uh deer hunting season you know like once whitetail season's over you had you pretty much have free reign of a lot of properties um because down there there's no natural predators um for the hog you know they're more of an invasive species so i mean there's nothing really that they're really competing with that that we could think of and so whenever a landowner would call us we would go out there with the dogs you know, catch a couple of pigs and then they would, that would chase the pigs out of the area for a while. And whenever they come back, they call us back and we come back and do it. And really what we were doing is we were just finding something that we could do that would pay for, um, pay for just the fun that we were having, you know, just doing stuff like father, son and our friends. Uh, there was a market down there where we could sell hogs and they would, they would, uh, export them back, back then. And so, I mean, there was a, if, as long as the, the pig was, I think, 85 pounds or bigger. They would, they would take it, and then, you know, they had, like, a tear, and it was, it was just like a cow market, you know, yeah. where you go in there and depend on how heavy it was, and there was a premium for a while on, like, boar hogs, and, you know, when you broke, like, that 200, 180 to 200 barrier, you know, you would get into a different category, and I mean, it was just fun, you know. Hmm. So, like, in high school, after, after school, I would go, check hog traps and then on the weekends we run them i come back every other weekend from college and we go run hogs with uh with those dogs and uh so i mean the hounds were our, we're, we're using them for bay dogs and then for uh we used some catch dogs uh later on and we had uh the the better ones we had some dogo in them so those argentinian dogos and yeah uh, yeah. yeah it was fun i mean it's definitely a different life <laughs> than yeah. most people i was going to school with yeah. Well, we gotta start wrapping this up. Um, we've already got a good train. Are you getting any more train racks? No, like Colby. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, let's hear one of Clay's train racks. What's the best? My train rack? No, yours or, or, or Clay's the train rack for business? Oh what do yeah, you mean? it don't matter. It's all just train rack. In life. rack in life. In life, like tell, give us a peek behind the curtain at at. The, behind the iron curtain. Are, are we talking about? <laughs> no, don't give him that magazine? straight look, Clay. Wait, are we? Are we t- <laughs> I'm giving him a facial. He's giving the tense look, and you can't are see. We, he's, are we talking about it, bear hunting magazine? I'm talking about anything. Give anything. Me. Just give him the dirt, Clay. My best. <laughs> just give okay. it over. Tell him the truth. <laughs> well, I've got a story Most from when I was a kid that's truth. like fun. Yeah. Uh, so whenever I was in the third grade, my dad come pick me up, and we were off. We were going to squirrel camp. I'd never been before. I was really excited. And uh, my dad was raised like kind of, he's kind of river red. He was always on the river. And then for me too, when I was born, he was a commercial fisherman. So we were always at the river. Anyways, we stopped and got some bait and we were off. We were going to fish too. We get to our camp and it's probably, I don't know, this bluff that's like 20 feet above the water and there's a little walkway and a little, little elevation. Uh, And so we're out there and they'd gone out there and they made these big bamboo, bamboo, uh, frames and they put tarps over it, tents and all the gear underneath it well they made the mistake of showing me a third grader what happens when you throw bamboo in a fire and so when you do it, it just like heats up and then it 
it's like firecracker pops. <laughs> and so that night, you know, I'm going around and it's kind of like, it's kind of like I was being a cowboy. <laughs> it's like, I'm cleaning up camp. Leave no trace. Cowboy work. And so anyways, so they built the fire right next to that bank and I was throwing stuff on there to pop. I get real excited. And then my dad was like, that's pretty close to the bank. If, if you're going to keep doing that, get your life jacket. So I put my life jacket on because I'm obedient to a fault. <laughs> and so I, I, I keep doing it. And then, you know, growing up down there, you, you understand that there's certain patterns and laws that things follow. And so there, I came up in my mind with the law of the dud. It's like if you throw something in a fire and it doesn't do what it's supposed to do, it's just, it's just off. It's just not going to happen. Right. And so I throw this piece of bamboo in that fire and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm like, it's a dud. And so I go to reach it for another one right by the fire and it just explodes with a vengeance. I mean, like, and so I take one step too far back and all of a sudden I'm rolling down this bluff and I'm just grabbing a hold of the vegetation on it and Come to find out, it was it was covered in briars. <laughs> oh man! Oh. So at the base of this, there's this shelf just under the water, and uh, and I fell on my back like a turtle, and just like a turtle, I couldn't I couldn't roll over. The the life jacket there was just enough water where my life jacket would float, and I couldn't get my elbows underneath me. <laughs> and so uh, the next thing I see is I see the silhouette of a guy just jumping and he and he lands just right beside me and then this other guy comes and he's sl sliding down that bluff in his cowboy boots and they reach me at the same time <laughs> oh man <laughs> and so how big a butt whooping did you get for that one <laughs> well, <laughs> you know you use that bamboo on growing your backside? up growing up my dad always told me he uh, he always threatened me that boy if you don't straighten up i'm gonna plant a boot <laughs> you know <laughs> and then right right at the same time i had watched major pain for the first time where he's talking about planting a boot too and i was like maybe it's actually possible <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna find out <laughs> yeah and so anyways he he grabbed me and uh he he was scared and so he would lift me with one arm but he couldn't like really get me up so he would like have to use his foot to to give me a boost and i was like it finally happened <laughs> but uh no no three three kicks and i was up it <laughs> i was done huh yeah <laughs> no that's that's my most fun story i got a ton around a campfire but they're just not coming to me right now no, yeah i want to know the the behind the bear hunter magazine global headquarters like how is how is mr the, the fancy the bear killing the flashy and mule bear with squirrely with I can't even I can't even talk like Clay, man. I gotta get the draw. But that's good. How is he behind closed doors? That's, that's what I want to really know. The same. Mm. What is he? He can't fire you no matter what you say, right? Yeah. The uh, same. Imagine you're in a place where you cannot get fired. Like Clay, turn your speakers off. I'm gonna mute my I'm gonna mute my earphones here. Is he a pretty cool guy? Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Clay's really sincere. I mean, really the same stuff that he would say here is the same stuff he would say anywhere. So he don't and, talk about me behind my back. He does, but it's only good stuff. Good <laughs> <laughs> job, <Calm laughs> Here. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, no, it's 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 really it's really great. You know, a lot of flexibility and a lot of just like push towards just even like personal growth and like seeing that my growth benefits the magazine overall. Yeah. And so yeah. It's neat. Like I said, I uh when did you when did he start? A year and a half ago. About a year and a yeah, half. Last February. Yeah, that was a big step for you then, huh? March. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. What had, made you decide that it was time? Man, I just, the, 
growth of our business was cannibalizing itself because yeah. it was just me. Yeah. You know, and I, I kind of liked it that it was me because it was simple, but I just couldn't provide the service that I needed or really take care. I mean, like I was focused on all the external stuff, like the content that people would see, but behind the scenes, the business was suffering. Just, I mean, just like bookkeeping, shipping yeah. orders, just. I can relate to that. All the, all the behind the scenes stuff that really makes everything work. I was doing and I could do it and I have done it, but it just, it, it, uh, it wasn't a priority. So Colby has come in and really kind of been a business manager to me. Like, yeah. you know, he's, he, he pretty much takes care of just almost everything except, except from yeah. building the magazine and, and, you know, the, the content. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm producing a lot of content and stuff that yeah. people would see. That, that's not something that's easily to acknowledge and it's hard to do. Like I, I remember doing it and I think Jason could probably really relate because, um, you know, when he was plum tree and I keep telling him, you gotta quit talking about plum tree. I'm like, <laughs> me and Jason are cool, man. We can talk about it. Like, but I remember thinking he can't swim much longer. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's going to drown. He was waiting for me to quit treading water. <laughs> yeah. He's bobbing once in a while. Yeah, and... I'd bobble a little. And then <laughs> I know he's up there scratching his head. Like, dang, how much lungs he got in him? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he can hold yeah. his breath down there. I had some help, you know, when Brandon was working for me, mm-hmm. that really helped out a lot. You know, uh, it was just, I was not in a position. I was a horrible, horrible, horrible boss. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can say that he's still my best friend and he's my hunting partner. And, and he was a, really good friend to put up with me through those years but it's um yeah I... so let me go back to clay for a minute and we need to wrap this up because we need to go get you guys to kill a bear like oh, this is the problem what is the hardest part for you has it been hard for you because one of my challenging parts for me is becoming a boss you know managing employees and you got one so it's not right difficult but that is a complex problem in itself. You just got to know one guy. I got to know a couple, not not a, a pile. How many? Just <laughs> <laughs> kidding. <laughs> you want to borrow some fingers, buddy? Today's Saturday. I got to think about chairs in my office. I got to count in my head. I'm, no. It, it was that it was that something new for you, or did it pretty pretty smooth? Yeah. Or? So when you when you run a business really by yourself, and now I did have somebody that was managing. There were two part time people that were managing small pieces of the business, mm-hmm. so I had a little bit of help. But they weren't people that I ever saw at all. You know, they were just working a couple hours a week doing a few things. But to me, the biggest thing was um, it wasn't hard for me to give him stuff to do. I mean, I was glad to let him do it. Um, I think when you learn to do something by yourself, you do become independent and you, you have a harder, I had a harder time collaborating Yeah, just cause you, you, you just, oh, yeah. you forged your way through the wilderness without much collaboration and collaboration just being, you know, a synergistic energy between more than you yeah. to formulate ideas for the way forward, you know? And so that's something that I have to. It's not hard for me because I want to do it, but I had to train myself to be like, oh, okay, I got a it's different a, a a partner in the business now, and so you know it. So the way it works is like 
you know, I, I'm just, I just don't want him to do jobs. Like I want him to be bought into the business, yep. you know, and, uh, and as a boss, I, you know, I hope to find ways to incentivize that even more in the future, you know, like this thing does well, you're going to do well too. I mean, that's the way it should work yeah. and does work. But, um, so I had to give I had three to, peanuts instead of two peanuts. Yeah, yeah. This I, for had future. To, I had to, <laughs> I had to train myself to, uh, to be to be more collaborative and to uh um it, it talk about what i was thinking in my head rather than just doing it like just kind of be extroverted which isn't a problem i i you know but i i did have to do that more you know kind of talk through why we do what we do and colby's really good at picking up on uh you know, culture. Like we have stern, talked about and stern with, faces probably. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's like a no. mule. Colby is like a good mule is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. yeah, if he looks at my shoulder, I'm moving. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. All right, well we're gonna wrap this up because we gotta get you guys up back on a trail in in the mountains somewhere and you guys are gonna kill a bear tonight. Yeah, we better hurry, I guess yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Um, the pressure's on for you, so you guys need to keep going. Yeah, All right, thanks man. guys. Thank it's you. A pleasure. Thanks for yeah. coming. This is awesome. Yeah, a little longer than, than normal for a podcast part, but and the conversation went, so yeah. All right, have a good one.